0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Action Jackson. Hello there. Welcome to the first ever Elk Shape Podcast. I am Dan Staten, and this is my podcast dedicated to elk hunting and fitness. Two of my biggest passions combined into one This podcast will be available on iTunes, maybe Stitcher, maybe Podbean. I'm going to look into those. Uh, We're also going to put on the YouTube channel, Elk Shape, so we are filming live here. I will bring guests on from time to time as well and answer question and answers type of thing where you guys can send me, get a hold of me, your elk hunting fitness related questions. We'll answer them right here. That way, if you can't sit down and watch from your phone or computer or TV, you can at least... Plug it in your headphones or in your car and listen to this information and stay on top of your game. So what this podcast is going to look like is, is we're going to do hopefully under an hour. About a third of it's going to be right into fitness. And if I'm interviewing a guest, we're going to find out about their fitness philosophies, training methodologies, find out a little background information on them. And then what we'll also do is uh, we'll get into elk hunting. We'll find out the type of elk hunting they like to do, the things that they've learned, the mistakes they've made, things like that, and then we're also going to save a little bit of time for what I would call more like leadership development, inspirational, conquering your goals, everything outside of elk hunting and fitness life. Uh, it's a, you can be a, the best version of yourself and be extremely successful at whatever you're doing. All right. So when I have a guest on, I kind of wrote down some of the questions I want to know. I want to know their fitness background, their hunting background. Uh, What does a year's worth of training, a day, a week of training nutrition look like realistically? How they stay motivated? What's their discipline driver? How do they overcome procrastination, their training methodology or systems? Influential people in their life when it comes to fitness, business, elk hunting, all the above. I want to know about the fundamental things that they do day in and day out, the small things that lead to the big things like success in the field and great experiences in elk country. Uh, We want to know advanced tactics, maybe some stuff that they do that we've never heard of or things that they've learned. Um, We also want to know about what they think about the current state of the hunting industry. Is it growing? Is it dying? Is there going to be any more TV hunting shows out there? Are all those guys just poachers? Uh, Do they just hunt private ranches? Do they actually ever hunt public land? This hunting podcast is about regular dudes, average Joes, who elk hunt with limited amount of time, they save their vacation up, they spend their hard-earned dollars, they have families, and they elk hunt, and they try to squeeze it in and juggle and balance everything that life throws at you. This is not about you have a TV show, you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel, and you're just... Your whole Instagram is dedicated to plugging your sponsors. With that, let's segue into my sponsors. Now, I can say this about my sponsors. They didn't come to me. I went to them. So basically what I'm saying is I use their products. I believe in their products. And I went to them and said, I want you to sponsor me. I want you to support me. I want you to be a partner. Some sponsors only give me product. Some sponsors, product and a check. Some sponsors I work a lot with, some once or twice a year. And so a lot of guys wanna get into the hunting industry. For me personally, I've always wanted to have maybe just one foot in the door. I felt like hunting should never be a job for me. Hunting needs to stay something that I look forward to. It helps propel and motivate me to make disciplined decisions in my life and my actions so that I can go and pursue hunting also, I just, I mean, the way that the industry, industry has changed in the last 10 years that I've been in it, uh, it's, it's evolving. And so it doesn't suck to have a main source of income outside the hunting industry, so I can kind of pick and choose who I want to be friends with, who I want to support. Ho- hopefully, you guys understand where I'm coming from. Bow manufacturer of choice, Hoyt, out of Salt Lake City, been with them since 2006, when I started with the x Tech, And I've shot all their bows since then. Uh, I've been bow hunting, man, for about 16 years, most of those years with a Hoyt. I do not have the new Hoyt yet, but I'm looking forward to getting it. But Hoyt has been so good to me. Their bows are super dependable, very tough. I've ran over a bow with a truck accidentally and still went hunting with it that same day, and it worked fine. Strings, I get my strings made here in Spokane, Washington. Spokane Valley Archery. Josh Jones is the owner. He's got a brand of strings that he makes, uh, Podium Archer. And this is the first year I ran with him, and I switched from another brand. And I can tell you what, I never had to go back and tune my bow all year, which is a first for me. Usually when I get custom strings, they they do stretch a little no matter what. And I'm going back in there and having to have some like the y-yoke twisted, or having to shoot through paper quarterly. Didn't happen this year. It was, it was awesome to have fill point, broadhead accuracy year round. And that, there's a lot behind that as far as your arrow setup and all that kind of stuff. We'll geek out on these episodes. Speaking of arrows, Easton, full metal jacket, Been shooting those exclusively. I did have a one year hiatus where I went to another brand, hated it, and went back to Easton. I love the full metal jacket, six millimeter. It's awesome. It penetrates, you get the best of both worlds. Aluminum, carbon, hard hitting, I don't even know. Veins, wraps, glues, inserts, all that kind of stuff from boning. Boning makes those blazers. I like the two inch. Grim Reaper Broadheads, another Salt Lake City brand. I'm using the Grim Reaper. Hades, it's a micro series. There's a three and four blade. I like both depending on the setup. If I'm going to shoot longer distances, three-blade. If I'm going to shoot an elk or a bear up close, I want a four-blade. I've had great penetration with those. Current sight I'm running with is Montana Black Gold. Uh, I've shot those forever. I love their sliders. I love their durability. They're out of Montana. Kinetrek Boots out of Montana. Been with those guys for at least six years, maybe longer. Love their boots. Have several pairs. They all last... They're durable. Uh, I like a higher boot than a low or a mid. I like the high boots. And you just have to try them out. I go non-insulated. I know that's gonna be a question in today's Q&A. We'll get to that. Laring system, Sika gear. I tell you what, there's a lot of choices out there, but Sika was the first to bring technical hunting pieces to the hunting industry to where there is no more. Cotton has never been cool since. There's some other great brands out there. I just am very particular to, to the, the Gore-Tex, the Sika, out of Bozeman. Love their layering system. I have some videos on YouTube going over those systems. Check them out. Optics, Vortex. I sold all my Swarovski's, and I switched to Vortex several years ago. I think it's the best glass for the dollar. And I think that they're basically warranty, lifetime warranty, no matter what goes wrong. They'll fix them. You got to stand behind that company. So I got the their rangefinder and their spotters and their binos and all that stuff. And for a release, I have several releases that I use throughout the year shooting, back tension, thumb barrels, index, single caliper. I like Scott XT Rhino, Scott XT. That's a great release. I have the XO Mountain Gear, the lightest pack in the industry, in my opinion with that titanium frame made out of Boise, Idaho. A good buddy of mine and started it with uh, his hunting partner, and they're, they're killing it. They're doing great. And I've never looked back since switching. The pack I used to run was Mystery Ranch. I think the pack alone, most of their packs weigh six, seven pounds with nothing in them. And you can pick up an XO, and you're going to save five pounds right out the gates. And you, they're very durable. You can, they have the ability to basically put the meat in between the bag and the frame, and it can handle a ton of weight. They got some great uh, side pockets for spotters and tripods, and it can blow up or it can compress down. I also run their day pack. For game bags, I got a synthetic game bag that I use from uh, Caribou Gear Outdoor, and I love those. Uh, I think game bags are very critical for your success if you take meat as serious as I do. So you shouldn't have any $5 cheesecloth running Final Harness FHF gear out of Montana. Elk calls are all Phelps game calls, of course. All my mapping system software is on X Maps. You can say goodbye to the GPS. I never said, thought that would be true until this year when I used that app exclusively. Downloaded all my maps ahead of time and had my cell phone on airplane mode and was able to pull up a 3D... I could, I'm sorry, not 3D, but I could pull up a Google Earth image of where I was, where I wanted to be. I could also throw a hybrid topo layer over the Google Earth layer or just go basic topo. You can plug in waypoints. You can share waypoints. You know where public is and where private. Uh, I can't say enough about that game-changing app. And then um, this body and my supplements, all my intake comes from Mountain Ops. I've been with them for about the almost a, two years, maybe three now. I used to be with Wilderness Athlete, and then I saw what Mountain Ops was doing, and they were making a lot more different types of supplements that I thought that I would take every day versus before I was with them, the only supplements I would take from that other company was uh, during hunting season. And so now I'm taking Mountain Ops supplements year-round. Those are my partners. Let's get into my background. So when I have a guest on, I'm going to find out about their background. So if you don't know, I'm dad. I'm 36 years young. I live in Spokane, Washington, specifically Spokane Valley. I uh, am married, happily married, that is, with two kids, one on the way. That's right. Oops. me and the missus weren't planning for that third one and uh, didn't take care of business, obviously. So we are blessed to have a third. We are going to keep that a surprise as far as if it's a boy or a girl. But right now I have a daughter that's three and a son that's one and a half and one on the way. I'm a busy guy. I have a, I'm have ai self-employed. I have a, a gym called CrossFit Spokane Valley that I run with a team of coaches. We have awesome members, and that's an amazing community that's very supportive and I love being a part of. We also, my wife is a nurse, and then I am a uh, part-time firefighter on the side, so I do one 24-hour shift once a week, so one day on, six days off at a local department. I usually am on a two-man or three-man crew. A lot of times, I'm the driver. Um, those 24-hour shifts aren't too bad, uh, being, having a young family. It's, uh, it's been a blessing. I've learned a lot about firefighting. Firefighters know a lot. They really do. I mean, you can never know enough to be a firefighter and an EMT, and uh, for all the medical calls I've been on, my best advice is just don't get old. Don't get old. A lot of our time is spent helping uh, elderly folks that didn't take care of themselves, so that's given me new inspiration to really get people motivated to do that thing called be healthy, be disciplined. So I've been hunting for, since I was 10, I got my hunter safety card. I shot my first deer when I was 12 or 13. Pretty good whitetail, he's actually on the wall far right. Decent buck. And then I got into sports in junior high and high school and so hunting went away. But when I graduated high school, I turned down a baseball scholarship and just went to work in a local community college and became a personal trainer, put myself through school that way picked up a rifle right outside of high school, and first year out shot a bull elk here in Washington State on public land during the Orange Army rifle season. And I'd never killed an elk, never seen an elk up close. I couldn't believe the size of the antlers. Uh, I couldn't believe the size of the body. I couldn't believe how good the meat was. I couldn't believe that one elk could feed a whole family for almost a whole year, and I was hooked. I bought a bow just a couple days later because I found out you could hunt these elk when they're bugling in the September months. And so got uh, hold of my uncle and begged him to take me out to Idaho the next year. Bought my first non-resident Idaho elk tag and learned a ton and hunted elk in Idaho from, from year 2001 to 2009. That was eight years I hunted Idaho with archery. Now I will backfill that. In 2006, I shot my first elk with a bow. In New Mexico, I drew a tag. That same year, my dad shot his first elk with a bow. And then in 2007, I went back to New Mexico, shot another bull, and I haven't been back since. I haven't been able to draw a tag. In 2008, I shot a Montana bull, and in 2009, I shot my first Idaho bull. So what that means is from 2001 to 2008, seven years of tag soup, seven years of trying to kill an elk in North Idaho and not getting it done. So that's seven years at, let's say, a $400 tag for a college kid at the time. You know, $2,800 in elk lessons, in elk life lessons, the way I look at it. Since 2009, I shot a bull that year also in Montana. And then ever since 2009, I think I've killed two elk every year through 2016. A couple of those years, I killed three bulls. And in 2017, I've only killed one bull so far. I will say that uh, I've never passed on as many elk as I have this year. I decided I was not going to shoot a immature bull with that second tag. So here I am with the tag in my pocket with a couple dates left for me to try to make something happen. I'm not gonna go out there and just shoot some dink bull. Where I elk hunt especially, it's over hunted. It's got way too many wolves, way too many bears, way too many cougars. I've seen the quality go down. There's still decent elk numbers, but no bull lives past three and a half. And if he does, They're very hard to kill. I, you know, it's just one of those deals where, you know, if you are gonna quote unquote trophy hunt or challenge yourself is what I would say for a little bit more of a difficult goal. Because once I killed my first elk, I I bought a second elk tag, no question. But I knew I was gonna hold out a little bit more and try to really find a herd bull. And what I ended up doing was just educating elk uh, herd bulls the rest of the season. Cut my teeth on trying to kill them. Had so many opportunities, so close but just couldn't get it done, and that's awesome. It's a little humble pie for me, but I told you all that to know that, I've hey, I've killed a lot of elk, over 20, 20 20-something elk at age 36, and there was a lot of years where I didn't kill an elk, and so I do believe there's a steep learning curve, and I want this podcast to help you conquer that learning curve faster and not make the same mistakes that I have and continue to learn like I do from other people that are better than you. So that's my background. I'm a fitness junkie. I have a master's degree in exercise physiology and undergraduate degree in exercise science. I've had just about every certification you could ever think of when it comes to fitness, instruction, coaching, certified strength and conditioning specialist, things like that. I've let all that pretty much expire. I have a CrossFit level two cert level one, some gymnastics certs through CrossFit and weightlifting certs and powerlifting certs. All that stuff is that you can never know enough. You have to continually learn in the fitness industry. And, and I love the fitness industry. I love helping people. And it excites me. And that's important to get out of bed and be excited for what you are going to be doing or pursuing. As far as uh, this podcast goes and the things that we're going to conquer, today we're going to answer some Q&A. I'm a little behind there. And then we're going to end with some leadership, a little bit of a book plug, if you will, for what to do. And I'm going to try to keep this under 40 minutes. That's my goal. So, all right. For Q&A questions, we got, oh, this was sent October 10th. So I'm a little bit behind Aaron Rich. He says, first off, I want to say you're a badass and I love your videos. Well, thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that. He says, I'm going elk hunting in Clay Ellum, Washington with modern firearm. I usually hunt archery for deer. And I've had a lot of success over the years. Elk season opens October 28 through November 5th. I will be there for three days prior to the opening. Do you have any tips? I've never hunted there, and I'm very excited for that. OK, so he's never hunted elk there. He's hunted deer there. You're going to be hunting in Washington State. Washington State is a difficult state to kill something with a rifle, especially in that Clay Elam area. It's got a lot of access. I-90 runs right through it. Uh, you know, everything North Cascade, South Cascade-type area, there's good elk densities. You're going to have to get away from everybody. You're going to have to find that time of year into October. There may be a few bulls with cows still. Some of the bigger bulls have pulled off. Some of the bigger bulls have pulled off for quite a while. Maybe they're bacheloring back up. Maybe they're running solo in sanctuary areas, which means food, water, cover, not travel far, not get disturbed, that kind of scenario. So, Really, find a place where you don't want to pack an elk out, and that's probably where you'll find some mature elk. If you're looking for any elk, you might catch a rag or some spikes with the cows still. You just, you know, you're also going to count on the fact that on that opener, there's going to be a lot of gun shots, and those elk are going to go where you can't. They could get pushed to private, so you might want to hunt some boundary ground and try to figure out their escape plan. I don't know about most guys, but that's going to be a tough challenge, especially if you don't have success opening day. I think it's just going to get steeper and steeper as far as difficulty. But you're not going to kill one from your house, so give her help. I will say that Washington for non-residents is a horrible state because you have to buy that hunting license and you're basically out a couple hundred bucks and then you're left with the left uh, this tag that has horrible dates and yeah, you have to choose a weapon and the, the seasons are extremely short. The archery season here is maybe two weeks. A muzzleloader is maybe five to seven days. And a rifle is maybe five to seven days. And you don't get to hunt all three. got to choose one. And there's a lot of people that live on the west side of Washington that will come over to eastern Washington. They also divide the state in half. You have a west side tag or an east side tag. You can't do both. Um, there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind why I don't hunt Washington for elk. I just don't. I just don't see value there. I wish I could kill a $40 elk. That would be awesome, but it hasn't worked out that way. I hope that helps, Aaron. Thanks for the question. Question number two is from Brad Johnston. Do you use insulated or non-insulated boots? Brad, I do not use insulated boots. My feet would be on fire. I'm constantly moving. I wear the same boots in August that I do in September that I do in November. In November, I might wear two pairs of wool socks, but a lot of times, I'm still moving still glassing, and I'll start a fire if I'm in to glass somewhere a long time, but as far as late seasons go, I generally, non-insulated, and for socks, I like the Kinetrek socks. They make socks now that are awesome. They fit really well. I don't like big, bulky socks. I already put an insert into my boots, so the boots, I want them snug and tight, but I don't want them too tight or too too hot. So non-insulated if you're hunting out West. If you're a tree stand hunter in the Midwest, you probably want a pair of insulated boots. If I'm hunting deer and like I am going to be in a few weeks, I'm usually in a heater body suit. So it doesn't matter really what's on, but I also have zero body fat and I get cold easily. So there you go. Okay. Connor wants to know, After watching one of your videos recently where you talk about helping with the wolf problem in the panhandle of Idaho, I was immediately interested. I'm a huge advocate of predator management and would love the opportunity to harvest a wolf if you have any tips on locating and hunting wolves. I would be all ears. Is this possible for a non-resident to purchase a wolf tag? I'm a Washington resident and live fairly close to the panhandle. Well... Connor, you are in luck, my friend, because yes, a wolf tag in Idaho and Montana is somewhere between 30 and 50 bucks for non-resident. However, Wyoming uh, are their idiots. Uh, yeah, fishing game commission. If you're listening, you're idiots for charging 180 plus bucks for a non-resident wolf tag. You need to get rid of wolves. It's going to be an incidental kill for most people. So charge 20, 30, 40 bucks for a wolf tag. They'll pick it up just in case, and that will help. Manage a fraction of the unmanageable wolf population. Don't even get me started on wolves. I'll go off But I've seen it with my own two eyes what wolves are capable of. They are just a dog a really big smart Hungry dog. They're not majestic. they people get excited like "Oh, I saw I get to saw a wolf I saw a wolf track or I heard a wolf howl. It's not that cool. It's a dog. It's a mutt. It's just this killer and they just eat And they kill, and then they kill and sometimes don't eat. They just, I don't know. There's a place for them. There's a space for them. I just don't know how we're going to manage them. I haven't seen it done well yet. I can tell you that I'm coming off the worst elk hunting season in Idaho as far as wolf encounters go. Now, I personally have seen double-digit wolves with my eyeballs and double-digit wolf encounters. That's where I'm visually seeing an elk. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm visually seeing a wolf and trying to kill it with my bow during archery season. I've howled them in, you know, in the winters and not been able to get shots. I've hunted, I've never killed one during um, with a rifle during wolf season in the winter, like when you think you'd have opportunity, especially in February when it's their breeding season. But they're uh, they're there. They like the high country. They like the ridgelines. They travel in what I would say is, big, long circles of 20 to 70 miles, and they go from drainage to drainage. They cruise ridge lines. You can trap. All you have to do is take a trapping class, which I have done in Idaho. You can snare, trap, The caveat is you have to check your traps every 72 hours, so you have to have a lot of time on your hands. I know that when my dad retires next year, he's gonna become the world's greatest wolf trapper. We're gonna get him doing some trap lines up there in the panhandle, and there's just a ridiculous amount of wolves. I believe you can kill five wolves. Maybe it's even 10, because I think you can trap five and kill five in Idaho. I I think it's something ridiculous like that. Don't quote me. And I think also, you can hunt them eight months out of the year. And then on private property, I think upwards of 10 months out of the year. So Idaho knows that they're you can't get rid of them. And they're trying everything they can. But just I don't think the quota is hardly ever met around here. But yeah, if you have a tra- uh, a snowmobile or a four-wheeler with tracks, take the trapping class. Uh, get yourself uh, some wolf calls or something electronic you can use in Idaho. And wolves are territorial. So maybe uh, dog barking sounds actually I think would work well. Uh, You know, obviously howling back at them wouldn't be a bad idea as well. Wolves are super smart though. I don't think you get very many opportunities. Uh, I don't know, I'm hoping to do some wolf hunting this winter with uh, Sterling out of Montana. He's been killing a lot of wolves over there and I think I'd like to learn a lot from him. Uh, When I retire someday I'm gonna trap wolves um, but yeah, they're definitely a huge problem. So Connor, come on over. Oh, uh, by the way, Connor, you gotta buy a hunting license. That's 150-ish bucks. So do that. Um, Eric wants to know. He says, first off, great job with the videos. I've really enjoyed them, and I'm always learning something new with every one. Right on. My questions regarding online scouting. I'm very familiar with Google Earth and Onyx but I'm very green to elk hunting. I am planning a hunt in Utah for this coming year, and I do not know the first thing about what features to look for online on Google Earth. Could you help me out here? All right, Eric, here's what I would do. You got Google Earth, and you have Onyx Maps. Hopefully, you have the premium where you can log on your desktop that's synced with your app on your phone, and you can type in your state, Utah, and go around and look from a desktop. That'll help, and then you can have maybe two screens going, and you can... Google Earth, look at the OnX maps. You can plug in waypoints and points of interest and those will go to your phone. You need GoHunt.com for sure. And they're not a sponsor yet. GoHunt, you should sponsor Elk Shape. They, you would pull up their state and you can really study the statistics as far as where are you probable to get a tag? What are their dates? You know, I think Utah for me is high, high on my list of areas I want to hunt, I think I have 11 or 12 points. And I still haven't drawn an archery, limited entry elk, but I'm looking forward to the days. I'm, I'm getting closer. Man, I would love to hunt down in southern Utah. Uh, you, you know, there is some over-the-counter stuff. I think they have that extended archery as well for elk in um, now November. Maybe it's parts of December, and that's over-the-counter. So there's some, and guys are getting it done. I just think you have to really, really work for it in Utah. Everybody's a hunter, everybody's a good hunter. There are no secrets, there's no honey holes, it's just effort, and I think that would be probably your best bet. As far as, um, yeah, you need to invest in GoHunt.com and really get the numbers figured out as to where you have a high probability of actually getting a tag, drawing a tag, uh, elk harvest statistics over the counter opportunities they have 2.0 filtering it's a phenomenal system that um, I pay a couple hundred bucks for that membership and i and it's i'm on there all the time I was on there last night at the fire station studying in fact Utah of all places so definitely eric you're missing one key as far as cyber scouting and that is go hunt with that information there. And there might be other companies out there that are starting to compete with Go Hunt, but I'm pretty sure they're pretty far ahead of the, of the competition. Last Q&A is from Cole Wilson. I should have brought water. I'm getting thirsty. This is more than I like to talk. Cole, he said he noticed I'm consistently punching over-the-counter tags, especially with bears. I am with elk as well. My goal is to become consistent, at least on opportunity. Over-the-counter hunting, my local areas, my questions regarding local OTC hunting only. By the way, I love do-it-yourself over-the-counter elk hunters. And by the way, people in the hunting industry who don't hunt public land over-the-counter and only hunt private landowner-type areas, just so you know, I don't think that's that hard compared to over-the-counter make sure you balance your hunting industry portfolio by sprinkling in some over-the-counter public land stuff. One guy in particular, I think he knows, I have a lot of respect for him, is Randy Newberg. Genius, always hunting public land, always showing all his cards, explaining everything that he's doing. And he's a huge wildlife advocate, huge conservation. And he doesn't just talk the talk, he walks it Oh, I love that. That's my side note tangent. But I have a special place in my heart for people that have general tags, over-the-counter, public land, not private, not landowner, not sanctuary, huge areas where they grow big bulls. And I get to see your picture with your bull on Instagram. I mean, you still killed it. You still hunted hard for it. Good for you. And you're spending money on conservation by buying that license and tag and you're promoting honey. yeah, 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 blah, 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 I get all that, that's cool. But I'm just saying between you and me, I know that you know that it would have been more rewarding had you done it on your own, had you packed that meat out on your own, on public land, somewhere in the back country. Now everyone gets, shouldn't be able to get that. Like I'm not clowning on anyone. And if I am clowning on you, you'll know it. I'm not, I'm just saying, at the end of the day, the most rewarding hunting out there is when you do it yourself, and you are on public land where everyone has the same crack at these animals, but you did it, it's something special. It's something indescribable. And if you're a new elk hunter and wanting to become an elk hunter, you'll soon experience what I'm talking about when everything comes together and all your hard work and all those downhill moments, bad luck, bad win, hunting pressure, arguments with other hunters or competition, All that goes away when you finally punch that tag. Man, it's really, really rewarding. So if you're uh, in the hunting industry and you're listening to this and you think I'm calling you out, I'm not. Just uh, make sure you balance your portfolio so you're more relatable to the end consumer, which is us average Joes that are fitting the bill because we're buying these products that you, your sponsors, are giving you money to, to promote. Well, we're buying it. And it's hard for us to relate to you when all you do is hunt Public land or private land on ranches, and you kill a bunch of 350-plus bulls. It's it's hard for us to relate to that. When you balance out your portfolio with a few public land hunts and are successful, it's uh, it's almost better. It's awesome, you know. Shoot a 266 point on public land, and then you shoot a 350 on private or 400. It's pretty cool that you actually balanced out your portfolio. And another thing that drives me crazy, and again, this is my podcast, my opinion, is when you have a guy who's killed a bull, and you got 47 guys behind him in the picture, it's like, it took all of us to do that, uh, and I don't know, I just, that's hard for me to understand that, but you're talking to a guy who likes hunting solo anyways, I'm weird, I like being by myself, and so, anywho, I digress. So back to his questions about over-the-counter, what is attributed to the most, what, What has attributed the most for you to see more game? Um, I would say being patient, glassing, uh, glassing comfortably. Get the pad for your butt. Get your binos on a tripod. Get a really good spotter. Get a phone scope. Grid, glass, repeat. Find good places to glass from. Find areas that old burns to glass. Find areas that are hard to get to to glass. And stay there in glass and glass and glass until your eyes bleed. Uh, he says, if you can use your 2017 bear harvest as a prime example, how many years did it take you to learn the country historically? All right, so this year I killed a bear in a place I never hunted before. But I tell you what, I, uh, it's because I glassed all day from one spot where I could see so far away, and I ended up catching this bear moving at about and uh, about an hour before dark. And it just happens that this bear was probably four miles away, but I was on top of a mountain with my dirt bike in an area that had logging roads. What I had never hunted there before, but the thing is, I knew how to get there on the fire roads and the logging roads. I knew how to get there in 30 minutes. And so it did pay off knowing the country. As far as getting to that particular bear, I'd never been down in that part of that drainage ever. So that was new to me. And I can tell you that it was very gnarly, dropping into that canyon, crossing that creek. I got water up to my thighs, and obviously it's spring, water's high. But it got that bear killed, and then packing him out was hell. I remember that bear this year, I got back to uh, camp at 1 a.m., and my wife was still up with my dad, because they were worried. They thought something maybe happened to me, or I killed a bear. Turns out, it was the latter, I killed a bear. so. Knowing the area is really important, but also finding the best areas to glass from is probably most important when it comes to bears and elk, in my opinion. Okay, he says, after all your consistent success, do you ever entertain the thought of scouting, hunting, new country for local OTC? Constantly, constantly wonder lusting about new areas, man. I'm always looking for that bigger and better area where I can find bigger and better animals, less hunting pressure, uh, better experiences. So yeah, I wonder lust a lot. I spend way too much time on a computer looking for new areas to check out, constantly wondering what's over on the other side of that mountain. And that will never end, and I think that's really important. I'm not married to one spot. In fact, too many hunting areas change year in, year out, especially in Idaho where you have a high density of wolves and uh, like last year's winter, brutal. You're going to have to be able to adapt and mix up where you're going because, you know, Mother Nature, she doesn't care. Uh, Last question, are there any local spots that you routinely hunt and do not use trail cameras? Um, If it's local, I'm gonna put a camera up somewhere or a camera trap line, a series of cameras throughout a ridge or some sort of drainage system to try to figure out how the animals are in and out of that drainage, or how they're utilizing that ridge. If it's close and I can check cameras periodically, great. I will say this year I'm kind of screwed. I did a huge 20-mile trap line trail camera trap line, and all high country. And I got, I went to go get them uh, early October, and it snowed a couple of feet. And I don't have a snowmobile, and my four-wheeler can't get around certain gates with a four-wheeler, only a dirt bike, and I'm friends, I'm here to tell you, a dirt bike cannot get up in two feet of snow, and 20 miles apart, I'm not gonna hike that, all that to get trail cameras out. So those cameras are gonna stay in the mountains all winter. Hopefully the batteries last, they probably won't, but a few will, so we'll be able to get some pretty cool images and see what happened in the high country. But uh, thanks for the question, Cole. All right, guys, so we're 36 minutes deep. Let me grab this book real quick, hang tight. right, headphones are back on. All right, so this book, Discipline is Freedom, by Jocko Willink, Jocko's podcast. You've probably heard it if you're into podcasts. Jocko, I love his podcast. So this is the part of the podcast where I kind of want to get motivational, inspirational. And look, this book just came out. It's awesome. It's kind of like, it's written in a way that And I haven't finished it yet, but so far it's written in a way that I've never seen any other book. It's not like chapter one, chapter two with the intro and and all these self help guru stuff. He just gets right to it. I think you could break this book into two things your thoughts and your actions. And before you, what does this have to do with elk hunting? This has everything to do with elk hunting in my world. Your thoughts and how you think and how you control your mind is going to dictate how good of an elk hunter you are. Let me explain. So this book talks about how there is no shortcuts, there's no hacks, there's only one way, it's the discipline way. And his mantra is discipline is freedom. Freedom, what, I think everybody knows what freedom is, right? Uh, I think when you ask people, what kind of freedom do you really want? I think the first thing they'll say is, I want financial freedom. Well, who doesn't? There is no low road to financial freedom. Not in my experience. I'm 36, and I can tell you right now, I want financial freedom myself. And so you have to have discipline on your finances to get there. You have to say no to the things that are sparkly, and you want now. And you have to delay gratification to get to the end goal. I'll give you a couple examples Uh, So, and I'm going to be always, I'm just going to be super honest for, for where we're at. I have a 2015 Tundra. I don't have a truck payment. My wife has a 2012 Tacoma. She doesn't have a truck payment. We paid cash for our trucks and we don't have that monthly eating at us, okay? We have a cabin in Idaho that was extremely expensive. I bought it with my dad nine years ago. We owe 75000 left on that. That's our biggest debt and then our mortgage on this house. And we still we put a significant amount of money down on this house to bring that mortgage down. And we're making extra payments towards the interest. So if you know Dave Ramsey, I'm a huge fan of that and that snowball debt effect. It really does work. As you build, pay off small debts, all of a sudden, that money is freed up to go towards more debt. Once that debt's paid off, more money is freed up to go towards the bigger debts. And all of a sudden, you start looking back after a few years, and you have conquered a lot of debt. We are on pace. Our goals are to have no mortgages. It's going to take years, but we're not doing anything dumb because we have been disciplined to try to accomplish our financial goals so we have financial freedom, which I, like Dave Ramsey's, build your wealth and bless people. Doesn't that sound sexy? It does to me. The other kind of freedom people want is freedom for time. Now, if you're an elk hunter, you need time to elk hunt. It takes a lot of time, especially public ground, over-the-counter general stuff. It could take 10 days, 14 days. You could hunt five states in 50 days, like the land of the free. Wouldn't that be fun to do? Well, that's going to take some discipline as well with your time. And think about it. Are you squandering any precious moments a day? Do you sit there and watch? YouTube video, and then another one pops up. You're like, ah, I'll watch another, and then another. And these are dumb videos that waste your time. Do you squander time watching TV? When's the last time you actually sat down and read a book? Do you go ahead and eat out and spend waste money and time when you could have actually cooked all your food in an hour for the week? That's gonna make you healthier, better choices. So I'm loving this book. It is my love language. Discipline is my love language. Discipline is not an external force. It's an internal force. And this book's talking about mind control, not like weird war game tricks, but like controlling your thoughts, controlling your mind and eliminating weakness. Now, you can do all these things in the name of elk hunting as well, because for me, I want to eliminate debt. I want to have financial freedom. I want to have time to spend with my family and to go elk hunting and be out in the mountains. And so I have to be extremely disciplined with my financial decisions. I also have to be disciplined throughout the year so I can have enough time set aside in the fall to really dedicate myself to elk hunting because it's that important to me. And then throughout the year, preparing physically and mentally for elk hunting because I never want my mental toughness or physical ability to get in the way of elk hunting. What I mean by that is I don't want, I don't see me never going, man, I can't make it up that mountain today. I just don't have what it takes. Oh, that elk bugle too far away. Or, oh, there's only an hour left of dark. I don't know if I can get down there to that bull. And, and if I do, uh, I mean, maybe I'll run out of daylight. Now I got to hike all the way back out in the dark. No, that's going to get you nowhere. You just have to have the physical ability and the mental toughness to do whatever it takes to get that bull or to get yourself an opportunity with a bow or with a rifle or whatever. So to me, this book is a must. I haven't even finished it. We are going to touch on it more. Your closing notes today is that discipline is freedom for elk hunting as well. I might even have to make a shirt that says elk discipline. And that just means discipline and how hard you work as far as exercising, training, shooting your weapon, scouting, working out your job, working on your family, making sure that they support your endeavors, that you have the financial support, that you can do the hunting, and it's not going to jeopardize anything, making smart financial decisions for the future so that you can elk hunt more, you can get more experience. To me, I'd rather have a pile of experiences and adventures than a pile of money when I die. So pay those bills off. Free up your time. Take care of your body. This is what Elk Shape's all about. And you can see I get fired up talking about this stuff. That's what's going to separate this podcast from the others. You're going to listen to this. You're going to learn some stuff about fitness. You're going to learn some stuff about elk hunting. And hopefully at the end, you're going to learn about some stuff about what it takes to be successful, be a leader of your family, at your work, and whatever you're interested in, whatever you're passionate about going towards. So to wrap this up, this is Elkshape Podcast Numero Uno. More to come. Check us out on elkshape.com. Hit me up on Instagram. I'm uh, at Dan the Fitness Man. You can direct message me any questions or whatever. Follow along with my crazy life. And then you can always shoot me an email, elkshape at gmail.com. And I appreciate you guys' support, and I look forward to doing mo- more of these. If you guys have any ideas for guests or someone you want to be interviewed, they don't have to be mainstream celebrity. Anybody who's just a badass who gets after it and has a passion for fitness and elk hunting, let's interview them. Let's learn from them. You guys take care. I'm signing off.